Prepare to experience the strongest radio allowable by law. Secrets will be revealed. Myths dispelled. From the studio gym where excuses never apply. It's Superhuman Radio with your host, Carl Lenore. Hey, hey, welcome back to another episode of Superhuman Radio, and today I'm joined by my good friend, uh, and I'd like to think uh, a colleague, if you will, uh, Joel Green. He finally got his book published. We've been waiting for it for a long time. Today is December 11, 2019, for those of you listening to the show 100 years from now and realize, wow, these people really knew what they were talking about. Uh Joel, before we get into your book, we have to get into the exercise of writing a book because you're you're a brilliant guy, and you and I could be accused of having intellectual ADHD because we will start with a topic and then these five tangents will come down out of it, and we will literally start going in those directions and then have to find our way back again. And and so it's got to be hard to harness yourself and write a book, right? It was it was the hardest thing I ever did for sure, by far. So, when did you start writing this book? Uh, twenty early twenty seventeen, uh, right a little bit after uh, the, uh, the time at Quest with you. And and what and what is the process like it, 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 as you start to write this book? And as you, I'm going to try some. This is a brand new interface. I want to see how this looks. Uh, uh, yeah, I like that. Let's leave it like that for a while. Uh, it, it, when you start writing. A book, you obviously have an idea of how you feel it's going to flow, but the reality is that once you start writing it and you start looking at some of these ideas, they end up taking you in a different direction entirely, right? Oh, completely. Yeah, I uh, I, I tried to do all the textbook stuff. I put up, um, I, I did an outline. I put up uh, flashcards on the wall. I had an entire wall with just covered with flash topics that I kept organizing and. You know, I tried to be really, really super structured. And uh, at the end of the day, it just kind of wrote itself. And what I wound up with um, covered some of those ideas, a lot of those ideas, but others it didn't. And at the end of the day, for me at least, the process was like the thing wrote itself. And and it's interesting because this morning I posted something on Facebook and about Metformin. And we're going to talk about that, but but it's like your book literally – covers topics that are just emerging now so you have to have a certain level of both insight and foresight in order to in order to do that right uh yeah i guess so um a lot of the things that are in the book were things that i was doing for many many years um and what i saw in the marketplace was that there was uh, a lot of things that were being done that really uh didn't I, the topic I use in the in the book is baby talk. That it, it, it wasn't taking into account how things actually work in the body, and that was true of a number of things. So, um, you know, with respect to things like um, autophagy or metformin, those were things I had done, you know, 2012, and I'd, I'd done them for a while, and I found out in the hard way that that uh, that there were a lot of negatives. And so, one one aspect of the book was 
attempting to create a framework where people would understand that it doesn't matter what you're talking about, that there's a what, a when, and a how to absolutely everything. Everything can be good. Everything can be bad. So let's stay with Metformin for just a second longer. Sure. I have not been a proponent of Metformin for a couple reasons. The first Mm -hmm. is that daily use completely shuts down uh, mTOR, which to me is not a good thing long term if you feel that being able to ambulate, get out of chairs easily is important to you as you age. You don't want to diminish uh, at least maintaining muscle. And so from that standpoint, I've felt it's not a good idea. And again, mm-hmm. metformin has pretty much been well-studied in those who are sick, diabetics, and so on. And mm-hmm. now we're starting to see science, because it's becoming so popular, we're starting to see science being done uh, on a non-sick population. So what is your position on metformin? Uh, so... To answer that question, you first have to understand some of the ways that metformin works, because um, ultimately what we're high level trying to accomplish if you're not sick with metformin is you're hoping to extend lifespan and health span. Um, So it's a very, very complex thing. But if you look at sort of mechanistically what metformin does, it increases pore protein density in the mitochondria. So you have mitochondrial pores, and these are actually proteins. And they are manufactured and then sort of inserted into the mitochondrial membrane. Um, So the analogy would be like, we want more sunlight in the house. And the way that we're going to do it is we're going to knock out more walls, add more windows, and then turn the entire foundation of the house until it faces the sun. So it might work. Like you might get more light in the house. But there's got to be an easier way to do it, right? (laughs) Turning the foundation of the house may not be the best idea, may not be the best way to do it. So, but that's metformin works by um, increasing the porousness of the mitochondria. Uh, that, that is a very dangerous thing. That is not necessarily a good thing. It can be good, but it could also be very, very bad. So, so, so wait, 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 I want to stay with this because I've never heard it explained this way before. This is really interesting. So, by increasing the, the porosity of, of the mitochondria, the concept is that you can now get more of substrate, uh, energy substrates in there for the mitochondria to burn. Is that how it uh, seems to lower blood sugar levels? Uh, well, the, the actions of metformin are, are, are complex, but with respect to pore density in the mitochondria, you know, the basic idea there is that you're allowing protons to flow back and forth between the mitochondria. Um and you have to understand that we don't we don't understand how the mitochondria work. Now there might be people who can expound at length on you know complex four and you know all these different aspects of the mitochondria, but we don't really understand how they work. Um, a good example is the hypoxia protein HIF one. Um, the mitochondria you you can make a very good argument the mitochondria revolve around HIF one and it's it's very difficult to explain how HIF1 interacts, gets into the mitochondria. So until you can explain that, we don't 100% understand. We know a lot, but we don't understand everything. So again, going back to the analogy of we want more light in the room, so we're going to turn the house 90 degrees. It might work, but long-term turning the house routinely, you might crack the foundation. And and that's kind of a simple way to understand it. So um, with respect to metformin, uh, metformin is, in many respects, a wonder drug, and it's analog berberine. They're amazing tools, 
uh, you shouldn't be using them all the time. Really? So when? So when should you be using? So in other words, would you only use? So, so I, I want to back up. So I have been using rapamycin, but because rapamycin has a three-day half-life, I only use it when I'm not going to train, and or, or maybe I'm just going to do cardio. But I also make sure that I'm fasting for 18 to 20 hours a day when I use my rapamycin because I feel like that would be the normal time for these biological actions to take place if I was fasting. So I want to try to keep my body in line with what the drug is supposed to be doing for me. Have I, have I totally missed the boat? Um, so high concept, you brought up something really, really important. You said that uh, you don't want to shut down M4 all the time. And there's a, there's two chapters in my book. Uh, one is called, um, one is about what I call balance. And in that chapter, there's some concepts called uh, biological duality that I introduce. And biological duality is the idea that anything can be good or bad. Anything can be good or bad. It just depends on context, timing, and the way that it's used. And I use, I use in the book the example of like um, free radicals and antioxidants. I use that example, that, that they can be good, they can be bad. It just depends. So with respect to autophagy and cessation of, of growth signaling, um, it can be good, it can be bad. And when you, when you look at both growth and then you look at housekeeping, you find that they're two bookends of the same process and you need both. You, you need periods of stimulated growth uh, in the body. And, and there's a lot of healing that takes place from that. Whereas if you're uh, trying to target autophagy all the time, you're going to find that you're, you're probably going to be chronically sore. And so that gets to sort of this idea of what, when, and how, which is kind of chapter five in my book. I call it the language of peak human. And the idea with that is that as an industry, we have been doing what I call baby talk. And what I mean by that is that we're in this black and white kind of good and bad way of looking at everything. And so and it's easy to see, like if you if you just go down the list, like fats are good, carbs are bad, plants are good, meat is bad, you know, and you go down the list and it's like blueberries are good, uh, you know, potatoes are bad. And it's it's like, get, get, goo, goo. It's all baby talk. Right. When you begin to understand that is a hundred percent of the industry, and that is not one hundred percent. But not. Is, but isn't that because people are so um, single dimensional that they want to be told, yeah. just tell me what's good? And like I'm dealing with this with people that I'm trying to help from time to time. You know, mm -hmm. well, just tell me what to do. Just right. tell me what's good. Just tell me what's yeah. bad. Right. 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 Yeah. That's uh, I. That's chapter five of my book. I talk about that. Uh, the, the fundamental question of health and fitness, it's one question. It's what, when, and how. And it's true for everything. It doesn't matter what you're talking about. So it's like, hey, is beetroot good? I want to use beetroot. That's good, right? <laughs> and and but, you know, the answer is, well, it depends on what it is, beetroot, and it depends on when you use it, and it depends on how it's used. And, and that's the truth of everything. Everything has a what, a when, and a how. And everything can be bad. Everything can be good. That's That's how... That's biological duality, and that's how the body works with, with anything. Yeah, that's very, very good information. So I take it that you are not a fan of chronic administration of metformin. 
I think the metformin has a very valuable place, uh, or berberine has a very valuable place. But again, it's it's what, when, and how. Okay, so how how would you suggest people if people have been using metformin and they're listening mm-hmm. to this show and they're thinking, okay, I'm I'm open to trying something better mm-hmm. than I'm doing now. How would you see people using metformin? So first of all. Everything that you're looking to accomplish with metformin, if you break down the signal pathways, ultimately that, you know, the, mechanistically, like, what, what, what do you want to do? Why are you taking this? Is this the pop you get, pop the pill? People, people are taking it because they, they've been told it'll make them live longer. So, yeah. like, that is, so, that is such a broad scope term. It's like, really? Like, what, what exactly is it that you're doing that's going to make you live longer? Right. So when you mechanistically look at everything metformin affects, Everything it affects occurs during sleep, but the difference is it's stronger during sleep. That's the difference. So let's we'll, we'll just go down the list. You want HDAC inhibition. You want autophagy. You want um, repletion of NAD. You want all these life-extending things, okay? All those things belong in a natural ecosystem. So we cannot, we cannot separate timing and diurnal rhythm and weekly rhythm and seasonal rhythm from how the body works. That, that's what's true about how the body works. So when someone says, hey, how should I use metformin? The answer is, before you do that, let's restore sleep. That's, that, let's do that. Because if, if sleep is not restored to the level it was when you were younger, then you're robbing from Peter to pay Paul. That's the first answer to that. The, the second answer would be that apart from sleep, uh, periodic and sort of seasonal stimulation of, of those pathways with metformin is a good thing. Right. But it should all be done in conjunction with bursts of growth. That's the answer. Those two, growth and housekeeping go together. In the book, I use the analogy of a lioness. Um, if I can just expound for a second yeah, on that please. little narrative. No, please. All right. So lioness. So she's on her she's on her 18th uh, hunt, unsuccessful. So at this point, um, she's starving to death. Okay, but a really interesting thing is happening. Um, ATP is being repleted in her cells, but it's not being used up, and that is via the action of AMPK. Uh, which actually restores ATP, but it's not being used. And the reason is she needs to save everything for a last ditch spray. So that's, that's, it's a survival mechanism. So at this point, a really funny thing is happening. Um, she's close to death, but her cells have taken on a state of near immortality in this point. She's not aging. Now, the reason she's not aging is she's not adding muscle. So you cannot define aging without defining energy intake and growth. They go together. They're one and the same thing. So aging's table. She's she's near death, but she's nearly immortal. She's she's not aging. So she gets her kill. She eats about forty pounds of meat at a sitting. What does she do? She goes right to sleep. Right. Right. She goes. Right. Now what happens? Now she puts on muscle like she was on steroids. She rapidly puts muscle back on and grows and and reestablishes all of the muscle that had withered away. All the healing, all the tendons, and everything gets healed back up. Okay. So in that cycle. You get a very good picture for the application and use of these things. So the metformin side of things, the berberine side of things, is when she was starving. And the most powerful mechanisms in the body are all tied to survival. Anytime you tap into anything that's tied to survival, that is the single most powerful mechanisms. And I use the point in the book, it's super easy to prove. Easy for you to prove it right now. Just stop breathing by force of will until you pass out. <laughs> and <laughs> what will happen is you won't. You, you cannot overcome survival mechanisms through force of will. You'll breathe or right. just try and stop eating through force well, of will. And, and people who pass out for all sorts of reasons, 
like like heat exhaustion. They're passing out because the body is about to step in and save itself. Uh oh, we just lost lost Joel. That's not good. Oh man, this is getting so. And I have such good questions, Marco. We're going to get your question. Here he comes. He's coming back now. He's coming back now. Hold on. Sorry, it that's was okay. A, uh... That's okay. Hold on. You're you're connecting now. Okay, so you'll be on the other side. That's fun. Um, so and Marco and uh, Cognito, we're going to answer your question. So um, th- it's interesting. I, I was saying, you know, if you have heat exhaustion, you pass out because your body is intervening to save itself because you're too stupid. You continue to to do something in in the wake of of, of dying. Um, so this is an interesting. I asked Adele Musa many years ago. Uh, wouldn't it be beneficial? If after training fasted and then after eating a big meal, you went to sleep because we know deductively that if you if you move after a meal, it drops blood sugar dramatically because you're utilizing it with your muscles. But if you don't move after a meal, your your, your blood sugar rises and insulin takes over and it starts to uh, cause growth of the body. So what you just said makes me ask you this question. Doesn't it make sense that after we train fasted that we and we have a big meal that we nap for 20 or 30 minutes? 100%. Yeah, 100%. It's, oh, it's very man. Yeah. Because, you know, my ex-wife used to get mad at me because when I first started strength training, I used to eat and then I would take a quick nap. And she thought, you know, I was just lazy and, you know, and I, I was like, no, I feel like I recover a lot faster when I do that. So you're saying that that's exactly what's happening. Yeah. So, um, you, again, growth, energy, energy intake cannot be separated from growth. So when you look at energy intake and you look at the way insulin works, you're stimulating all the growth pathways. You're stimulating the MAPK pathway. So MAPK uh, is a control check over cell cycles. So that's what allows cells to go through and continue past the G1 checkpoint and, and to divide. It's tied to energy intake. So without food, you're suppressing MAPK, you're suppressing cell cycles. So energy, food, and growth, and aging, they're one thing. They're just different sides of one thing, and you need both. You need periods of – here's the really interesting thing for the audience. Um, one of the ways you can maximize muscle growth is through activation of starvation signals. Okay. Hyperpolarization of the mechanisms of starvation primes the other end of things for muscle growth. And it's very, very easy to see. It's very easy to see through analogy. It's easy to see through a number of different ways. So, yes, you're right. This was actually shown in Dr. Malin Watfi's book of Dove Diplomats and Diabetes, where he looks at the Darwinian uh, approach to metabolic disorder, and he shows that from an evolutionary perspective, we were fasted when we hunted because we had to get hungry enough where our hunger produces peptides that suppress fear. And once we went hunting, we were very hungry. We expended a lot of energy. We hunted, and then we feasted. And when, when you follow this evolutionary edict, the body responds by upregulating muscle growth and strength because it, it wants to be able to supercompensate for the next time this, this event occurs. And so what you're saying goes hand in hand with his brilliant book. And it, it's amazing. I have to add, let me pop this up here for a second. So Jeff Clifton says, if you can't nap, would meditation suffice? You know, so, so you eat, your, you, you train fasted, you eat your meal, you sit in your car for 20 minutes and you just meditate. What do you think? 
Well, meditation has a whole host of benefits apart from the mechanistic actions of sleep that uh, just whether or not you whether or not you trained anyway, you should be doing that. Absolutely. I mean, there's there's a whole stack. But, of but you think that you'd have you think that you'd have that same upregulation of growth and 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 growth factors uh, that you would by just going to sleep after training. I don't know. That's a really good question. Okay. I probably should. That's, that. that's for book number two. <laughs> okay. So no, Mar- Marco, no what's that? No more books. Yeah. No more books. Don't punish me. Uh, Marco Incognito asks about GLP-1 uh, being mm-hmm. better alternative than metformin. But are we not splitting hairs here? Uh, berberine, uh, GLP-1, metformin, uh, uh, you know, rapamycin. If, if we're fasting isn't that adequate, assuming we don't have blood sugar management problems, assuming that our blood sugar isn't raging all the time? Aren't all of these alternatives to fasting if you are just trying to get stable blood sugar levels because it is, in fact, glucose signaling that speeds cellular senescence? Uh, mm, it's it, mm, Yes and no. Yes, in the sense that if there's one factor that is driving the aging process more than any other, it's amplitude of insulin function. So in the case of like incretin sensitization, Marco's question, so you have a GLP-1 antagonist. Um, my preference would be to, to do that through food. Um, so sensitization of insulin via the incretins, there's a whole host of proteins that's working on separate and apart from the action of insulin that just make everything work better. Not necessarily the same mechanisms as berberine. Um my personal preference for that would be to use uh, cycles of food to sensitize the incretin hormones, and it's very easy to do. So by, by alternating uh, and timing of things like um, eggs, for example, in the morning or barley at night, you can sensitize incretin functions. You can get GLP-1, GIP uh, working a little bit better, which makes insulin work better. And so this periodic conditioning of the incretin hormones just by itself is a wonderful thing to do. Um, I don't for that particular one. I don't like I don't like drugs to do that. Um, hope that answers your question. Yeah, no, that's good. That's good. So I want to tell people uh, where they can actually get the book. First of all, yeah. So the book is available at uh, uh, at Joel's original website, VeepNutrition dot com. Just hit forward slash book, and there's a special going on uh, where you can either get the digital version. Uh, the hard copy version or both at a super savings as a pre-sale, right? Is that correct? Yes. Pre-sale is wrapping up. So I've been doing a, a pre-sale on Facebook to friends and family and superhumans like yourself. And that's wrapping up. And then it's going to move over to Amazon um, and do a bit of a pre-sale there. Uh, I'm learning a lot about how to market a book. So, uh, and that's going to kick off. So uh, jump on this. This is going to end here in a few days. Uh, and you'll, you'll get the, you'll get the, Think, I think we're shipping on the 15th, but you'll get the digital copy like pretty quick. So you can dive into that. And yeah, so get it. So when we come back, I want to talk about a chapter in your book that's, t- that's titled The Problem of How Humans Really Eat. You and I have done some groundbreaking interviews where we've looked at hunter-gatherer nations. We've looked at our evolutionary edicts and, and, and how far we have strayed. Uh, in in modernity. So let's do this. Let's take a quick commercial break. Give me a second. I got to figure out how to do this. Uh, Okay. And then I have to hit solo. All new to me. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with more of Joel Green. Okay. 
Quest Nutrition makes bars, cookies, chips, and pizzas out of complete dairy-based proteins. Our products minimize net carbs and sugar without sacrificing taste. Each delicious chocolate-flavored chip, cookie chunk, and crunchy crumble is custom-made to maintain Quest macros. It's time to enjoy foods that work for you, not against you. It's time to enjoy your Quest. There's lots of CBD products out there, and there's lots of misinformation, too. If you want the best CBD product available and the way to use it to improve athletic performance, there is only one choice, Venga CBD. Venga CBD is five times more bioavailable than other products, and you feel it faster. But more importantly, the folks at Venga have identified the best way to use it for athletic performance. Go to superhumanradio.net today and download your free copy of the Endurance Athlete's Guide to CBD. Use code SHR10 and save 10% off at VengaCBD.com. That's V-E-N-G-A-C-B-D.com. You already know the benefits of red light therapy. Now you have to find the strongest, best one out there at the best price, right? That's where Scott Chevery found himself. He had to create Mito Red Lights so you can get the strongest, best red light therapy unit in the world at the absolute best price. And the Superhuman Nation gets an additional discount. Go to MitoRedLight.com and use code SHR to get the lowest price anywhere, plus free shipping inside the USA and deeply discounted shipping worldwide. Go to MitoRedLight.com and use code SHR today. That's M-I-T-O-R-E-D-L-I-G-H-T.com. Are you still on the fence about body protection complex BPC Oral from DrSeeds.com? Listen to Maggie Kuhn, one of the owners of the C-Bus Lifting Company, Jim, in Columbus, Ohio. I had been having some nagging tendon issues that weren't injuries, just, just things that were annoying. You know, I'm 58 years old, so just older tendon kind of issues. For us powerlifters, you know, we really don't stop training when we have just nagging issues. We just kind of keep pushing through. And I started the BPC. What I noticed was I was doing and some heavy tricep stuff that um, that would have killed me um, before when I had an elbow problem, and I was able to do this with literally no pain at all. Go to drseeds.com, D-R-S-E-E-D-S.com. Use coupon code SHR and save 20% off your bottle of BPC Body Protection Complex today. If you haven't searched hydrogen water in PubMed yet, you must. Hydrogen-infused water possesses undeniable performance, health, and longevity benefits in the realm of real biohacking. Hydrogen water machines cost hundreds to thousands of dollars. Now you can have the strongest hydrogen-infused water conveniently anywhere you want it thanks to Drink HRW. They make the only legal and clinically validated formula to create hydrogen water instantly. I thought this stuff was BS till I started using it. The effects on my training and my gut are undeniable. I have more energy and I last longer without stims. You have to try Drink HRW Maximum Strength Hydrogen Water Tablets today. Go to h2waternow.com and use the code SHR for 10% off today. You've heard about blood flow restriction training since 2006 on SHR, but you're still on the fence. Well, here's the push. BFR is more effective at building muscle than anabolic steroids. That's right. I went there, but it's because it's the truth. My experience with the B-Strong blood flow restriction system is proof to me, and now I'm asking myself why I waited so long. You'll see undeniable changes in the targeted muscles in days and weeks like nothing you've ever tried before. I will never stop using them. Give B-Strong a try, go to bstrong.training forward slash super hyphen human and use code SHR for 10% off. 
You're listening to the Superhuman Channel. We're ripped and we're ready. Welcome back to Superhuman Radio. We're talking with my good friend Joel Green, who is brilliant. And he's aging like a champion. And congratulations to him and his new wife, Christy. Congratulations. Uh, marriage is doing great things for him. Yes. Yes, it is. And, uh, and, and so let's talk about this uh, chapter in the book, which is very, very intriguing to me, right? And that, that, that the problem of how humans really eat. Talk about that. Well, it is uh, – so basically we've spent 70 years trying to correct a problem that can't be corrected. And if you look at this thing we call eating – um, the one constant of it is that it is driven by survival mechanisms. That's the truest thing you could ever say about eating. And in the modern era, just quite by accident, what we have done is by seasons of getting in shape, dieting and getting out of shape, we have unwittingly mimicked seasons of feast and fasting, seasons of famine and feast. We've mimicked those. And when you look at the body's mechanistic responses to starvation, it doesn't matter what word you put on it. You can call it time-restricted eating. You can call it fasting. You can call it dieting. You can call it keto. It doesn't matter what word you want to put on limiting food intake. The body understands one thing, that you are shrinking fat cells. That's all it means to the body. So what I do in the book is I inventory the mechanistic responses of when fat cells shrink. And I think I made a pretty good case to show that Everything that happens when fat cells shrink is a survival mechanism tied to survival. And there's a number of mechanisms that go in list. In fact, there's three whole chapters devoted to um, a paradox created by fat loss and by shrinking fat cells. So the net of all those things is that survival mechanisms and survival programming are what at work when fat cells shrink. And if you just think post-famine, the body's survival interest is in eating as much as possible if food is available. That's, that's the body's survival interest. And when you look at human history, there's never, ever been a time when that's not true. It's always been true. It's always been true that human beings periodically feast. So when you look at what humans really do, and you track them over 20, 30, 40, 50 years, and just look at what they actually do with food, and they have seasons where they mimic starvation, meaning they'll go, they'll diet, they'll adhere to a particular eating plan. But long-term, a type of eating that's in the science literature called ad libitum eating uh, surfaces. And ad libitum is in any... Free will, eat everything and anything. Eating anything and everything. So eating anything and everything when it's available is a survival mechanism. It's not about will. In fact, I make a really good case in several examples that... Whenever survival comes up against will, will will win. You might, or excuse me, survival wins every time. Um, You can use the example of breathing. You can use the example of starvation. Like if you want to prove what's more powerful, just stop eating. Just stop eating, period. And then just go as long as you can. And I I guarantee you, promise you, 100% you will eat because survival will make you eat. In post-survival, we are... We are hardwired to eat anything and everything as a survival mechanism. And that cannot be changed. It can't be changed. And we've spent 70 years trying to change it. So that's kind of the synopsis of that chapter. Okay, so uh, bodybuilders have been eating five to seven small meals a day, 
And when I first started to get involved in physical culture, I learned uh, a statement uh, or a, a term called fed state. That when the body is in a fed state, the body likes predictability. We know this. The body likes regimentation in all areas of life. We know this. And when you eat the same foods and you eat them every couple, three hours, small meals, not talking about gorging yourself, the body Mm. becomes, uh, let's say, happy. And it goes, hey, you know, we live in a world of abundance. Maybe we don't need to store so much fat uh, because we seem to be getting... You know, six or seven meals a day, everything is great. And let's go ahead and let the fat stores shrink a little bit uh, when, when in a, a small, you know, a small calorie deficit, which leads to very, very lean, a lean body. And uh, I'm starting to wonder if, in fact, that these multiple small meals a day are actually, regardless of whether you want to be a bodybuilder or you want to have a certain type of physique, are actually good for you. What do you think about that? Uh, so, again, this falls under duality, and it falls under the, the basic concepts that I lay out in Chapter 4 or 5, which, which is that, number one, um, cycles of time matter a lot. So the body runs on a diurnal cycle, but it also runs on a weekly cycle called circuseptin rhythm. And circuseptin rhythm is actually built into all biology when you study it. Um, and it leads you into some really fascinating concepts like hmm, different days of the week actually have very unique nutritional requirements, like heart rate variability is highest on certain days. And you can find all kinds of, in fact, it's called chronoimmunology. That's um, the application of what day of the week should we administer drugs based on the most likely effectiveness. And then beyond that, there's seasons. So there are actually seasons built into biology, for example, in winter, uh, heart attacks and stroke are higher. Uh, people sleep more in winter. And so there's a very good case just taking timing into account that there are seasons of things. There are and these there are weekly periods of things and there are daily periods of things. And we've got to start to think about those things. Um, one of the secrets of my VEEP system is that circuseptin rhythm has been built into it. Oh, no. Joel, we lost you again. Give him a second. He'll come right back. Here he comes. I don't know why, but hold on. Let me Let me just do this real quick. Hold on a second. Let me put... Joel up and let me put me up. Okay, here we go. Okay, yeah, you're back. Sorry about that. That's okay. Yeah, you, have to, you, have to put, you have to put another quarter in the uh, in the computer. <laughs> it's this it's this uh, believe thing. The little helper keeps trying to help me, and it prompts me with like, "Are you happy? Would you like a happy meal?" Or <laughs> and then, it, it, you know, so would you like a widget. So so anyway so uh, uh, and wrap that up in this whole idea of like having multiple meals a day and what that signals to the body that right. allows it to get right. leaner. So uh, there are periods where this is, it's highly beneficial, but as a thing to do as a way of life all the time, probably not. Um, I have some. I have a. I think it's probably about a page in the book dedicated to the benefits of feasting, and there are newly discovered newly discovered uh, proteins that actually circulate in the blood post-feasting, meaning periods of very large meals, like overeating, just killing it, that actually make you leaner over time. So there's the place for both is the answer. Interesting. So I, I have always experimented with that. My, in fact, Rob Wolf once told me that I was playing with real medicine by doing this. So I would, <laughs> uh, I would, I would fast for 16 hours, which is not a horrible thing because I'm sleeping for eight of it. 
and then I and I would train fasted. But then my post workout meal would be ridiculously large. I'm talking about a few thousand calories. This is back then. Now I, mm-hmm. I, I have about a thousand calories post workout. I have about a hundred to a hundred and um fifty grams of protein post workout. I tend not to be hungry for a very, very long time as a result of that. But I, I definitely can tell that when I start to do that again and do it religiously, I my muscles grow fast and I get strong faster. And right now I'm trying to lift myself. 2018 took my the wind out of my sails. Two surgeries in one year. I am still I I'm still feeling that. I really am. I mean, I, I hate to admit it, but it, it, it I am clearly not superhuman when it comes to going under the knife twice in one year. But I am now getting strong again. And one of the things that I've instinctively done is this train fasted. You know, I try to emulate that evolutionary edict. Train fasted, work hard to get your food, theoretically. there has to. Melinda Watfi talks about there has to be a component of risk in your training to truly take advantage of the, the fast that preceded it. And obviously, if you're lifting heavy weights, it's always risky because you're worried you're going to tear a muscle or blow a disc or something like that. And then a huge meal after that, just like the lioness who would eat, you know, 21 pounds of meat and then go lay under a shady tree and fall asleep. The only thing that's missing from my training right now is the post-workout meal nap, which I'm going to find a way to work that back in, believe it or not. I may move the show to a later time in the day, specifically so I can come in here and take a nap. I'm not kidding. I know you think I'm kidding, but I'm very serious about this. I really am. So, I like it. So, okay, so... Uh, all things uh, have a, a, a timing uh, to it. Is there any way to predict that timing? Is there any way to say, well, you know, is it seasonal? Is, is a seasonal aspect of it mm-hmm. most important for humans to watch? Uh, it's all three. It's it's. There's a daily. There's a weekly. There's a seasonal. Uh, so let's take let's take um, one example. Would be uh, just top of my head, trying to remember. Uh, heart rate, but oh, I think uh, don't quote me on this because I'm just going from memory on the exact day. But there's a there's a best day of the week for I believe it's uh, blood pressure and oh, excuse me, no, there's a best day of the week for for uh, sodium and it's actually independent of sodium intake. So thinking about that, um, there's also a seasonality to stroke and heart attack. Right. Oh no, Joel! Don't disappear. You froze. In the winter. There you are. You're there. Okay. And okay. what about and what and, and we know that and and let's not forget the the human construct of of uh, daylight savings time. Know that when they move the clock <laughs> forward and you lose that hour of sleep, the rate of heart attack goes through the roof for like the first month. Yeah, absolutely. And and heart attacks uh, are mostly on on uh, Mondays and I think it's Mondays and Thursday afternoons. So this is a very interesting field of medicine. Um, there's there's chronoimmunology and there's a couple of other um, immunology-based studies based on the administration of drugs at the right time and day of the week to get these lifts in effectiveness. And it's a very, very, very real thing. Um, I see uh, John Kiefer in the question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to put this up here. Now, I got to say something. I had him on my show way, way back when, when he started doing the carb backloading. I am not a proponent for eating right before bed if you care about your health and your risk of dementia. But with that being said, uh, Mark uh, DeCorso said, John Kiefer from Carb Backloading talks about the Hulk effect 
uh, training fasted, specifically having low insulin and blood sugar. Mm-hmm. Is this effect from the relationship between adrenaline and insulin? Uh, I would say no. It's actually more uh, signal pathway amplification. So the most powerful effectors of the aging process and really you know, growth are, are signal pathways. And, it, and it's the recruitment of signal pathways cell to cell to cell. So in a star state, you look at activation of AMPK and you look at all the things AMPK is doing on a cell to cell basis. And as that signal strength propagates and magnifies and it goes cell to cell to cell, so you're recruiting maximum number of cells that have triggered, um, triggered the AMPK pathway, uh, and the longer that you do it, what you're doing is you're, in, in essence, priming the opposing signal state, which is growth. So you're priming MAPK, priming mTOR, PIK3, you're priming all these signal states. So it's more what I call in the book signal amplification. And I, I introduced this concept in the book of the amplified fast, which is not focusing on the time fasting, but the signal strength of fasting in order to maximize the the benefits and minimize the downside of it. And so really beginning to think about amplifying signal strength as a way to maximize bang for the buck with anything, whether that's muscle growth or aging or anything. And that, that's kind of a, uh, I don't really see anybody's talked about that. And it's, it's a big part of the book. Yeah. And, and you know, I noticed uh, there's a study that was just published recently that shows that time-restricted feeding you know, a long time ago, I didn't want to call it intermittent fasting because I felt like it, it, it attracted the zealot-like mentality. And I, mm. I actually like to call it a more ancestral-like meal timing pattern because we didn't have refrigerators before the agrarian revolution. You know, we didn't have stores of food. We generally woke up uh, somewhat hungry, and as the morning wore on, we became hungry and hungrier, and we knew that the tasks of finding food uh, were were something that you had to didn't it didn't happen quickly like you didn't go oh here's food so you had to work for it so maybe you didn't really start to nosh on things that were available until you know ten or eleven o'clock uh, in the afternoon I almost like this more ancestral uh, meal frequency pattern better to explain it because as soon as you say fasting people think of starvation and and there is. There is fasting out there. I mean, I've fasted for, for three days in the past, and, you know, that's probably closer to starvation than, than what we're talking about. But with that being said, um, there's been a, there was a study that was just published that shows that adults who adhere to a time-restricted feeding pattern of 16 and 8 have a, a better growth in the hippocampus of the brain. And I have to believe that's happening in other areas of the brain as well. So do you feel that... Uh, Use a time restricted feeding more emulates the way we would have eaten uh, before modernity, and and therefore is it is it better for you? Not necessarily. Um, it, it, sometimes, but not necessarily. Um, I I don't like a lot of the research on time restricted feeding because most much of it was done for obesity. It was done a lot of it was done with mice. Um, and when you try and translate that into healthy humans and you know, the effects that we see, I think there's benefits to periodization of it for a while, but you can make a good case. Like in the case of Ramadan fasting, that's just time restricted feeding. And that's been around way, way longer. And we have lots of data on Ramadan fasting. It causes weight gain. Um, so there are, there's a short term effect. Uh, I met with uh, Ron, <clears throat> Ron Penna, Penna yeah. a few weeks ago. 
Ron, you about know, this? he's. I know he 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 messaged me after he met with you and said that he had a brilliant conversation with you at a coffee shop, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we have these incredible brains. I just, it's almost like you know crap. what the funny thing is. Of all of us, he's really the most brilliant, but he doesn't want to be on the forefront. Like he doesn't want to be out there on anything. Yeah, we, it's funny. We've talked about that. yeah, right, right. <laughs> we've talked about that. We've talked about that whole thing and and yeah. how that played out at Quest. And and uh, yeah, I would probably agree with that as yeah, well. Yeah. But uh, we were talking about this this exact same thing. We were talking about um, with respect to looking at periodization and, and time remapping. And I, the word I was using with him was uh, was temporal mapping. And so that the baby talk of today's industry is, you know, if if metformin bad, if if fasting good, you know, it's it kind of like really stupid. It must be good, so I'll do it. Right. But when you actually map it over time, what you see with anything is this. That's what you see. So when you begin to ask the question, is metformin good? Then you go, at what point in time? Well, like every time. No, no, no. Like, like, let's look at the map and we see this curve. Okay. And so we got to begin to ask that question. Like when we begin to do temporal mapping of anything, like let's take time-restricted feeding uh, or keto diets. Are keto diets good? They must always be good because they're keto, right? Right. So when we, we look at keto diets, mm, well, we see short-term. What we see is there's a, there's a molecule called 4-hydroxynonino. It's, a, it's what's called an electrophile. And keto diets make 4-hydroxynonino in the mitochondria. And 4-hydroxynonino is pretty bad stuff. It's, there's not much good to it. But what it does is it causes a hormetic effect short-term. So you get an upregulation of glutathione production. So short-term, what you see is oxidative stress goes up and then it goes down. And so you have this period where oxidative stress is better. So it's easy to say they work. Let's do them always. But when you begin to map time and you go out, then you see this. You see oxidative stress doing this. Gets worse over time. Yeah, Yeah, then it gets very bad. Right. Um, And so this idea of any question, we have to start to begin to ask at what point on the time map. And it begins to explain everything when you You do that. I want to get a couple questions up up here from from listeners uh, and viewers here. So Mark DeCorso says, also, does this allow you to better use muscle? He's talking about uh, training fasted. Uh, muscle glycogen, not having circulating sugar. Uh, so the way MK works is MK is a survival mechanism. And if you were close to death using our lioness, the difference between life and death is that last push to catch the hind quarter of her prey when she's near starvation and near dead. Okay. And that requires stored up ATP. So the mechanism of MK will replete ATP, but you won't use it immediately. And so I think that answers kind of part of your question in the way that uh, sugar is used within the muscle. The starvation effect has a way of repleting it, um, but not actually using it unless it's needed for like a sort of an adrenaline-based last ditch. Mm-hmm. hope that answers it. Okay, and here's a good question because I know you're all about the gut. Uh, yeah. Jeff Clifton says, uh, is there an optimal time frame uh, for time restri- time frame of time restricted eating for those who have SIBO or CIFO? It's a really good question. Um, so if you have SIBO, my guess is you were probably doing probiotics at some point. Um, one of the things I, I, I am, I, I have to come out, you know, I, I, I am not an expert at anything and I'm like everybody else in this audience trying to figure things out. 
I gave myself SIBO. I got rid of it now. took two things to do it. But I gave myself SIBO by taking two VSL number three packets a day because each of them had 900 billion CFUs, and I thought, well, more has got to be better. And I gave myself small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. That took a peptide and a very unique uh, antibiotic called Cyfaxin to finally rid myself of it. So go ahead. Talk to me now. Go ahead. Those of us taking common. probiotics. Go ahead. Yeah. Most people, uh, again, if you map it on time, there's the, the short term. It's, it's, it's like, man, it's amazing. Everything's better. And then keep mapping the time. And it's like, oh, my gosh, I've got SIBO. So, uh, yeah, but to answer your question, uh, one of the things I do in the book is I, I lay a, a master framework to understand what restores the gut. And it's based, on, it's based on carbon and nitrogen and understanding these most basic things. So there's a simple concept in the book that I give, and it's that um, individual foods affect individual species of bacteria, but macros affect what are called gills. And a bacterial wait, wait, wait. Gill, gills, G-I-L-L-S? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So a bacterial guild is a grouping of diverse bacteria. They have nothing to do with each other other than the way they utilize nitrogen and carbon. Mm. Okay? And so kind of, the, kind of the, what you see a lot about right now is, is stuff I was doing a number of years ago, which is you know, eating this specific food. You can spin up this bacteria. There's a lot of that in the book. But the next level beyond that is understanding bacterial guilds. And so it's understanding how macro ratios, just pure macros, affect nitrogen utilization in the gut. So the first thing to understand is that the most important bacteria you need to replete are bifidobacteria and acromantia. And acromantia is repleted. There's, there's two ways to derive nitrogen in the gut. There's via external sources, and then there's internal nitrogen secretion. So when you're fasting, you're making nitrogen internally. You're making nitrogen without food sources. And that is why fasting affects acromantia. It helps to replete it a little bit. So your optimal combination, uh, if you're looking at SIBO, is a combination of timing the restoration of bifidobacteria the day before, which you do through production of butyrate, things I've talked about on your show many, many times. So you have a a two-day period. The first day is you're, you're repleting bifidobacteria. The phytobacteria is going to make butyrate, and it's going to generate all the cross-feeding reactions that you need to feed agromancia through food. And then the day after that, you have a period of fasting. It doesn't have to be very long, but it's the combination of repleting the phytobacteria, preceding repleting agromancia through fasting, that you're going to get the best bang for the buck, if that makes sense. It does. It does. And, and again, I, this, this is discussions you and I have had about my own personal life, about these, these exact steps where you've told me, to use whey protein at certain times because it increases bifido, but then to eat blueberries, if I remember correctly. Uh, so this is interesting. And, and here's another question from Jeff. He says he was reading uh, last night that SIBO runs from mouth to rectum, and they need to change the name because it relates to the strep virus. Any? Have you heard anything like that? Uh Regarding the strep virus, I, 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 don't, I haven't heard that one, so I'll have to look it up. But he brings up a fantastic point that I talk about at length in the book, and it's the connection between the mouth and the gut and the mouth and other parts of the body. And I, I have a chapter called Membranes, uh, Membranes Matter Most, um, uh, Young Membranes. And what, what I talk about in that chapter is when the outside world comes in contact with a key membrane in the body, what happens? So one of the most neglected and ignored aspects of 
peak human physiology, optimal human physiology, is the relationship between intrusion points in the gum line and basically translocation of both bacteria and signals to other parts of the body. It's a very old topic that was shut away for years, and now it's actually being proven. Uh, one of the ways it's proven, for example, is um, we know that if you have fusobacteria in the gut, you're probably going to get cancer. Well, it turns out you, you get it in the mouth first. You get it in the gum lining first, and then fusobacteria in the gum lining. What kind of bacteria? Fusobacteria. I'm, I'm not, spell it for me. It is F-U-S-O bacteria. Okay, fuso. Okay, okay, okay. Mm. I've never heard of that one. Okay. Yeah. Well, well that phonet- phonetically, that's good enough. Fuso, okay. Maybe it's fucoso. I'm blanking here. i got too much stuff in my head. Right. I think it's fucoso, one of the two. Okay, anyway. okay. So, interesting. It so it starts in the mouth first, yeah. Uh, it's one of the ways it can start, yeah. So what happens, uh, the gut lining can become compromised and when the gut lining is penetrated, then you can have um, you can have all sorts of essentially signal cascades that happen by the polarization of macrophages. Okay, so the, the biggest concentration of macrophages in the body is in the gut, in the lamina propria, and they can polarize and flip from the M2 to the M1 state, become inflammatory, and they can essentially spread inflammatory signals to the fat mass and then elsewhere in the body. Well, something similar can happen in the gum line. And so it just, the net of it is very simple. It's like, you, know, you got to go get a cleaning every three to four months because the, it is impossible to, without deep planning and deep scaling, you can't get to that bacteria in there. And there's an emerging body of research showing how issues from the gun line, gum line essentially transplant into the body. You know, it's funny because um, I just went for my annual cleaning and she told me that um, I have no deep pockets or pockets of any type anymore. So it, it is possible to reverse that type of thing. Are you looking for fuso bacteria right now? Yeah, it's fuso. I, I'm just blanking in my head if it was fuso or fuso. No, no, There's that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, I want to take, take uh, our last commercial break, and I want to talk about the relationship of old fat and young fat because this is a concept I've never heard before. And, of course, it comes from you first uh, before anybody else, at least that, that I know of. Of course. Of course. All right, so we're going to take, I'm going to try to move this up without losing anybody and get this on. There we go. I'm learning this new interface. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with more of Joel Green. Hey, this is Carl. For 14 years, you've heard me talk about Can-See Eye Drops, and they being the reason that I do not need reading glasses at now 61 years old. But I regularly get emails and messages from people who've been using Can-See and having some amazing results. Recently, I got an email from a fellow named Chad, who, because he was on dexamethasone eye drops for over six months, developed a cataract. Can-See Eye Drops actually reduced my cataract to the point where even my doctor has a hard time finding it. I will never stop using Can-See Eye Drops twice a day. I've been using them since 2008, he says. And you should be too. There is no better way to keep your eyes healthy and seeing clearly than can see eye drops. Go to wisechoicemedicine.com today and get on board and we will both be looking into the future with very clear vision. Are you looking for a better way to absorb the nutrients you know you need? Do what I do and start your day with lipospheric supplements from Live On Labs. Unlike pills and powders, Live On's patented lipospheric Lysosomal encapsulation technology transports nutrients like vitamin C, vitamin B, glutathione, acetyl-L-carnitine, and alpha-lipoic acid to where they need to be, your cells. Visit 
try.liveonlabs.com forward slash Carl to learn why I take these supplements every day to help me perform in the gym and in life. That's try.liveonlabs.com slash Carl. You've heard me talk about the chill pill on the show and how effective it is at helping people who suffer from social anxiety or sometimes when you just want to take the edge off uh, to a long, stressful day. Well, listen to this story from Dylan Goutreau. Definitely takes anxiety away, which I have a long history of having. Started out at two milligrams a day of Xanax. That was at eight years old. and So I stopped using benzos three years ago. Extremely difficult. Yeah, so I spent about three years trying to find anything and everything I could that would be healthy for me um, to help with anxiety. Because I'm talking you know, full, full out panic attack. The, the chill pill was the first thing that I've found that actually in the middle of a panic attack I can take and it definitely uh, subsides. Go to DrSeeds.com. That's D R-S-E-E-D-S.com. Use coupon code SHR and save 20% off your first bottle of the chill pill. Check it out. I promise this is one supplement that delivers. New Mass Pro Synthogen X2 just upped its own legendary game. To distance itself even further from the rest of the pack, Synthogen X2 now has double the key active ingredients. If you've ever wondered what steroid-like recovery feels like, Synthogen X2 delivers. See why others compare it favorably to powerful bodybuilding drugs at Synthogen.com. Mass Pro Synthogen. When you train with it, you'll gain with it. Whether your goal is to build muscle or burn fat, you'll find everything you need at Redcon 1. Need help getting a good night's sleep? Try Fade Out or the most popular pre-workout supplement on the market today, Total War. Sign up for their new transformation challenge and win $10,000 or shop for apparel that people at the gym will know that you are serious about your training. Need a testosterone booster that works? Check out Boomstick. Whatever you need, you'll find the best quality supplements on the market at Redcon 1. Go to Redcon 1 com. That's R-E-D-C-O-N, the number one dot com, or go to superhumanradio.net and click the Redcon 1 banner ad today. Men and women, you've heard about hormone optimization. Do you feel like it's something you want to look into? RenewLifeRx.com is the place to start. Their doctors can help you with the solutions. RenewLifeRx.com has a simple process for lab work, consultation, and taking a deep dive into where your hormone levels can be improved. Superhuman Radio listeners get 30% off your initial lab work and consultation. Go to RenewLifeRx.com to schedule your no-obligation phone consultation today. Feel younger, get in better shape, and be more productive. Productive at RenewLifeRx.com. This is the Superhuman Channel, doing reps with the weight of the world. That's where you can get the book, deepnutrition.com forward slash book. This is going, I predict that this book is going to become a seminal work uh, in the discussion about nutrition and disease. Um, so before we get on to the next topic, which is going to be fat, old fat versus young fat, and how fat steers uh, aging. I have to ask you a question. Um, there, are, there is a, a preponderance of people out there with uh, undiagnosable neurological symptoms. Uh, they, go, you know, they, they go to n- neurologists and they're given you know Lyrica and stuff like that because... They, they suffer from fatigue, they suffer from pain, they suffer from uh, brain fog. And, you know, I did that show with Dr. Sadich Rao about 
lactic acid bacteria in the gut producing delactic acidosis, which leads to brain fog, and uh, lactic acidosis of muscles as well. But delactic acidosis cannot be used as a, a fuel substrate for muscle, so it accumulates and causes burning, but it doesn't get burnt off. So a lot of these, um, would you would you agree with me? Or am I am I one of these uh, same people that you know what's good, what's bad? All of these uh, suspicious, hard to diagnose neurological uh, disorders could potentially have a beginning and uh, in the gut. Um. Well, yes, but that's an overplayed uh, meme in in pop nutrition today. Uh, there's so to answer your question, the real the real issue gets a very large piece of the, the problem is is inflammatory signaling right. and what happens. Um, in fact, I put this in the book. There's some new research that talks about it's not the telomeres that are the primary driver of aging. It's it's inflammation, and they've been able to show this with large populations of sanitarians, where uh, telomere attrition is is not the primary driver it's inflammatory signals um and what what happens with super sanitarians the reason they live so long is they're able to take inflammatory signals and treat them sort of hormetically where they develop these compensatory mechanisms but in non-sanitarians non-really long lived people they don't have those same mechanisms and that's what kills them so a lot of these issues get to one way or another inflammation it's just a question of how inflammation propagates uh and uh, yes inflammation the, the primary onset point is with the macrophage layer just below the gut lining um, where that gets the macrophages in that layer flip polarity from the M1 to the M2 to the M1 state. And that affects everything. But what you hear a lot of is this gut brain health thing. And, you know, like, like, Oh, you know, you just, you just fix your gut and they're going to be super smart, you know? And it's just complete BS. Like I having, I know, I don't think, I know, having done this stuff for 13 years, what you can do by tweaking the gut. You can, you can drop fat crazy fast. You can um, drive your energy through the roof. You can do all these things. But in terms of, of the brain and all that. But I'm, I'm, not, I'm not talking about the brain, really. I mean, the, 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 the lactic acidosis and brain oh, okay. fog was one Sorry. thing. But, but, right. but so I've been preaching. And again, I'm here to be corrected because I want to tell accurate stuff on my show. I've been preaching to my audience that when you hear the word inflammation, remember, mm -hmm. inflammation yes. is the army of the immune system. It goes out and does what the immune system wants it to do. And when you talk about the immune system, you're talking about the gut because that's really where the immune system resides. So isn't it possible that people who have diseases like fibromyalgia uh, and, oh, and other that, – that, yeah. that, that, that if they would focus on getting their gut right, that a lot of these things would subside? Hundred percent. Yeah, uh, okay. most of those things, uh, I believe, are they're really just gut bacteria issues. Um, Parkinson's, fibromyalgia, a whole bunch of those things. They're just gut bacteria issues. Okay, hundred percent. Yeah, I know that's true. So this is another exciting topic, right? Because right now, uh, I'm thinking, how do I get young blood transfusion? Because of those studies that show mm -hmm. that if you're infused by young blood, you take on yeah. the attributes of the young person. Yeah. But you're saying yeah. old fat versus young fat how fat steers aging. Maybe we need to go to all of these liposuction places and get young fat and transplant it into people. No, I'm only kidding. But go ahead, explain this. Explain this this concept. Yeah, uh, so I take three, four chapters really in the book and I talk about, uh, I, at length I talk about body fat and, uh, because it's a crux mechanism. And 
basically what I'm pretty sure the book will do is that the idea that body fat resides under the aegis of sort of just being fit, that, that, that ends. If you read those chapters, it will end. Um, and really, body fat moves under a bigger umbrella, which is whole body immunity, immunology, uh, anti-aging, and whole body health. And, and it's just an outgrowth of understanding how body fat actually works. And the weird to think, but impossible but true thing is that as an industry, we haven't been dealing with what's true about body fat. And when, when you dissect what's really true, it shifts your focus. And so the, the final chapter in that uh, series of chapters is talking about old fat versus young fat. And basically what I, what I show is that beginning in the gut, you have issues of what's called macrophage infiltration, where um, basically signals and, and macrophages from the gut translocate into fat mass. And once they translocate into fat mass, you have a propensity for immune, immunological profiles in your fat mass. So what I, what I show in the book is that Fat is a system with multiple configurations. Um, we've been oh, fat is a system with multiple configurations, and and he will be right back in just two seconds. So hold on, let me uh, let me do this first. Let me get him up here, Matt. You were saying fat is uh, is a system. Hold on, with multiple configurations. I got to get myself back on camera here. Here we go. Okay, pick it up from there. Fat is a system with multiple configurations. Yeah, so we've been under the idea that body fat's just fat cells. That's not true. Uh, fat is actually a very complex system, and you'd have to just read those chapters to understand it. But fat is a collection of very specific proteins, uh, over a dozen different immune cells, um, very key collagen fibers in a matrix in the ECM that have very configurable states. And all these things together form a system, and that system can have multiple configurations. And it's the configuration that matters. So what I talk about in the book is what's called the SASP phenotype. And that stands for uh, secretory associated uh, phenotype. And that's when fat takes on a, an old configuration. And old fat and young fat are very, very different. And one of the ways we can stay young is to keep our fat young um, versus old. So one of the key differences in old fat versus young fat <clears throat> is that the body fat has a, a balance between young fat cells and old fat cells. And the way body fat renews is through stem cells within fat cells. They're called preadipocytes. So the thing to understand is that preadipocytes normally mature out and differentiate into fat cells. That's the normal process. They don't have to do that. They can mature out and become macrophages. Uh, they, can, they can go other directions. So what happens as we get older is preadipocytes stop maturing out into young fat cells mm -hmm. and they take on this inflamed configuration of the fat. So where you see old fat has some very, very specific configuration dynamics to it. It has a preponderance of M2 macrophages. It has a preponderance of very specific types of collagen fibers, and it creates a, a what's called a secretory phenotype where the inflammatory state of old fat essentially downloads itself across the body. And this is one of the ways that cellular senescence and inflammation. I was just going to say, this is exactly the model of cellular senescence. You get a senescent cell and it's thought to poison all the quiescent cells around it. Yeah. And, and it, 
one of the so because of the sheer number of cells with body fat, it acts like a megaphone for the immune system. And so inflammatory immune signals from fat essentially begin to hijack the rest of the body, more or less. It's kind of a very broad analogy. But the SASP phenotype, in the book I call it SASP mode just to make it easy to understand, the SASP phenotype is characteristic of old fat. And one of the outcomes of that is metabolic flexibility declines. So when you're young, you can store fat and you can burn fat. And that's a characteristic of young fat. Old fat doesn't do that. Mm. Old fat doesn't even store fat. So what happens is those those free fatty acids spread to other parts of the body, and then you start to get visceral fat. And, and, and visceral fat, intramuscular fat, uh, liver fat. You know, I mean, it starts to infiltrate right. everything. Yeah, right. And so you see this dysfunction of the of fat. It doesn't do. It doesn't. It doesn't burn it, and it doesn't store it. It just acts like an inflammatory megaphone system. So one of the one of the ways that body fat's going to change, I, I believe, um, once people start reading this book, is we're not going to be thinking about fat and fat reduction as purely just this thing you do for fitness. You're going to start to see that it's really a very important part of staying young. Excellent. Really, really good. Jeff Clifton has another question, so let's get it up here. Let me, let me, let me put this away. Hold on. And let's get this up there. So he says, is there an easy answer for feeling worse when every test on the paper is showing improvements in glutathione, test, I guess he means testosterone test, and homocysteine markers. In short, does healing hurt? I'm not sure what he means by that, does healing hurt. Oh, I see what he's saying. He says on paper he looks he's getting better, but he doesn't feel good, I guess is what he's saying. And uh, So I think Jeff said that he has SIBO. Um, and I, Yeah, so I mean that makes sense. So if you've got if you've got bacteria where it shouldn't be in the gut, then you're going to have, you're going to have in that section of the gut, what essentially is going on is you're going to be having um, inflammatory issues from the junctions of the gut being opened up. Butyrate production isn't really working the way it's supposed to. And so essentially it's like you have um, all your markers show you're healthy but what's really going on is it's kind of like having an injury, a localized injury. So the macro picture could probably be good, but but there's a localized injury um, in that area. And you're, you're probably not going to feel good until you get that fixed. Um, SIBO is very tough. There There's a there's an antibiotic that works very well on it. And I'm, I'm generally Zyvaxin. So, 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 you know, I, re- I gave myself SIBO, as I admitted a little while ago, by taking way too many probiotics for too long. And, yeah. and and high fiber, by the way, which I, I, I have a new opinion of fiber. I mean, fiber is one of those things that a little bit is good, too much maybe not so good. So um, let's talk about that. Okay, want to talk about that after this? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so I ran LL three seven, and it mm-hmm. did wonders for me. It did mm-hmm. wonders for me. I ran it twice, but it didn't get rid of all of the SIBO. It wasn't mm-hmm. until I did a. 42-day round or 48-day round of Zyfaxin. Now, here's the problem with Zyfaxin. Zyfaxin is a... I hate antibiotics, but Zyfaxin is an antibiotic that stays confined to the small intestine, and that's it. It's not delivered systemically. It just stays in the small intestine, and it will eradicate SIBO. That is the antibiotic that Dr. Satish Rao came on my show and talked about his his study on uh, SIBO and D-lactic acidosis. That's how he got rid of it for people. But here's the problem. 
if you go to your doctor, he'll write you a prescription for Zyfaxin. But even if you get special discounts right from the manufacturer, you'll spend between $1,400 and $2,000 for that that round of Cyfaxin, which most people just go, I, I can't do that. And so what other wow. doctors, so what doctors do is, well, well, we'll just give you uh, some other antibiotic. It'll do the same thing. It doesn't. But I found a pharmacy in Canada, canshipmeds.com. It's called Marks on Marine. I got my whole script filled for $99 plus shipping. So now Cyfaxin is in the reach of the average person who wants to take it and see if it rids them of their SIBO. And I guarantee it will. Yeah, I'm not a fan of, of antibiotics normally, but in the case of SIBO, uh, you just you got it. You just have to. It, it, and it works. It, it works. The only thing I don't like about that antibiotic, I, I believe it's in the class of fluoroquinines. No, it's uh, not. It's not. It's I not? thought so. No, I, 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 I wouldn't have taken it because I don't want any soft tissue injuries. It's not. It's, it's not. It's not. No, oh, okay. it's not a on. No. Oh, okay. Well, that's no, so. Let's talk about fi- let's talk about fiber. Yeah. So, I, I so yeah. there's a new cereal out that's 30 mm-hmm. grams of fiber per serving, and it, you know, mm-hmm. we haven't eaten this much fiber since we were Australopithecus, in my humble opinion. And isn't there a problem with all the overloading of fiber that people are eating today? Uh, so it, that fits under the baby talk stuff. So fiber's bad. Fiber's good. It fits under that. Um, fiber, fiber belongs under what, when, and how fiber is essential. You have to have fiber because you can't make butyrate without fiber. And if if you can't make butyrate, then you'll destroy the gut. So fiber is essential, but you can injure the gut with too much fiber. So it it just gets into what, when, and how, um, I, I, I've seen a lot of like, uh, a lot of lately kind of anti-fiber stuff circulating uh, one dude who's an MD that said there's no need for fiber in the body. Just crazy stuff. Um, the question with fiber, just fiber is a word. Um, but really when you look at fiber, it, it's multiple classes of very unique substances. And those substances fit into what, when, and how. And when you look at fiber that way and fiber as a way to spin up butyrate prior to a fast, it's, it's absolutely essential. Um, you can do miraculous things with it. What a lot of people get into is they have gut injury and they start taking fiber. So here's the problem with that. Um, butyrate is the currency of the gut. You need butyrate. But the problem is if you have gut injury of any kind, you've got colitis, you've got a worn down gut line, anything like that, okay, butyrate cannot work in the gut. And the reason it cannot work is the, the, the transporter, MCT1, monocarboxylase transporter, it gets shut down. So because of the butyrate, wound, because of the wound, uh, no, it has to do with what happens when cells begin to utilize sugar at length in the gut. Once, so butyrate is the preferred food, food of the colon, and then it's what the large intestines, your intestines, need to replete the gut lining by helping to crossfeed and make phytobacteria and all the signaling that happens with butyrate. So you have to have it. But the problem is when there's gut injury, you cannot go high fiber first when there's gut injury because the gut cannot use fiber when there's gut injury, can't make butyrate. So if you have gut injury, you first have to restore the gut lining. And one of the ways I talked about in the book, there's, there's a lot of ways to do this, but one of the ways is uh, orange juice can be something really good because you get a very high level of 
ascorbate depletion in the injured gut. And then you have very high oxidative stress in the lining of the gut. And one of the ways to restore that is to bathe the gut in ascorbic, ascorbic acid and then combine that with fasting. And there's a lot of other ways to do this. But and you, and, you and, and to... you're talking about natural forms of ascorbate because yeah. there, there is a lot of evidence out there that natural forms are different than just some supplement. Uh, yeah, orange juice specifically is like what I was talking about. Um, but my point with all of this is that a lot of people try fiber and they go, it really messed me up. It's because they have gut injury. And you cannot go high fiber first until you clean up the gut injury. That's the point of that. So uh, Jeff Clifton has a question about thyroid markers, uh, T3. And I'm going to put it up there. But uh, Jeff, I want you to message me uh, after the show because I've got some questions for you. But he, he's asking uh, about thyroid markers are good except elevated reverse T3 and TSH. I don't know what came first, the gut issue or this elusive possible thyroid issue. Sorry for all the questions. Uh, don't mean to hog the feed. You you have any information about the gut and thyroid? Uh, I mean, it's, it's just it's, it's a very very big topic. I, I would just say that it's the gut first. That's that's where your issues start, um, and then you know related to thyroid. There's it, it gets into just a whole bunch of things. I don't I don't want to look stupid and, and try and you know yeah. answer like when there's too many nuances. Yeah, and I, I'm I want Jeff. I want you to message me on on. Uh, on Facebook here because I, I'm going to ask you to go have a couple tests done either through your doctor or any lab tests now. I, I, I think I can I, – I've suffered with some of these same issues, and I think I have just a little tad insight into what to look at and then how to fix it. You'll have to read Joel's book. That's the, that's the easiest thing to do. So let me give the book a plug again. Yes. The book is called Peak Human. How uh, – I'm sorry. How to Hack Your Way Into – a younger body, and I like that because it implies that all is not lost if you've been living with these problems for a while. Uh, you can get it at veepnutrition.com forward slash book. Get on it soon because there's some special offers there that will be gone very shortly, and then you'll have to pay full price. I would go ahead and get the digital and the hard copy personally. Um, there is information in this book waiting for you to mine that will help you immensely in your life, in your physical goals, and in your ability to age well. Uh, these are all things that Joel has learned on his own to preserve his own 50-something-year-old body. How old are you now, Joel? 55. I mean, it's, it's amazing. He doesn't, he doesn't dye his hair, folks. Just, just <laughs> putting that out there. The, the reason I've been wearing a hat is I'm going to get my hair dyed and uh, uh, colored and, and cut today because I'm going to Las Vegas for the A4M convention. Any of you that are going to be there, uh, message me on Facebook. I'd love to meet you. But that's the, that's the deal. Go to veepnutrition.com forward slash book. Get the book today. I'm telling you, there's nothing that Joel talks about that isn't completely and supremely researched. And also he applies. He has... Thousands of people who use VeepNutrition.com to create their own meal plans, to heal their own problems. So don't just get the book, but sign up for the service, too, uh, because he has changed so many people's lives with his information, his insight, uh, his insights about nutrition. There is nobody else out there like Joel. Nobody. I say that with all, with, with, with all deference to all the other gurus out there, but there's nobody out there like Joel. Uh, thank you, Carl. Thank you very much. And Great thank time. you for being here. 
Thank you for having me. Uh, just good to see you. And, and, and if I don't speak to you, you have a great holiday. Merry Christmas. And I will have you on the show more often in the new year, I promise you. All righty, Carl. Great talking to you, man. Okay. Good seeing you. Talk soon. All right. And then uh, we are going to say goodbye now uh, because uh, it's the end of the show. I'm off the air tomorrow uh, because I'll be traveling to Las Vegas. See you when I get back with lots of good information from the World Congress of Anti-Aging. Take care.